Welcome to another edition of First Word from First Church. This is Pastor Dave Buchanan at the First Church in Sutton. Please enjoy the message and may God bless you richly through it. Our first reading this morning is from the book of Jonah, chapter 3, verses, uh, chapter three, verses 1 through chapter 4, verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I, what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Our second reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 12, verses 38 through 41. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. May God bless our hearing and understanding of his holy word. Nineveh. Nineveh is quite a symbol. To us, it's just the name of a place Jonah was sent where maybe people hadn't been behaving well. Nineveh was the capital of the kingdom of Assyria. Nineveh was founded over 8,000 years ago and had become a great city of the Assyrian kingdom. Now the Assyrians were, were brutal and vicious warriors. 
they uh, kind of set the standard for the world for a long time in the torture of, of captured prisoners. Their idol worship was colorful and vile. I mean, it's quite a people, right? Nineveh was their capital. Nineveh was the center of all this for many years. So when God said, go to Nineveh, I don't know what to compare it to today. It was go in the belly of the beast, go to your enemies. Go to those who in the past have really subdued your people and conquered Jerusalem. And go tell them that I'm about to destroy them for their evil. I would not volunteer to be first in line to deliver that message. Really, I wouldn't. But Jesus even refers to it centuries later. Because this happened in about the seventh century before Jesus that Jonah lived and went. So even Jesus refers to even the Ninevites listen to God and his chosen people don't listen as well as they did then. Now, to be fair about the Ninevites, about a century and a half later, they slipped again and five different nations that they had conquered over the centuries banded together and kind of flattened Nineveh. They, they got their comeuppance another century and a half later. It didn't last. That's the sad part. But for a time, they listened, even after Jonah rebelled. And some of the saddest words from Jonah have got to be, See, I told you that you were merciful and gracious and abounding in steadfast love. You've heard me say before, that's the subtitle on God's business card. Because it says in, in Hebrew that we can't even pronounce, the Lord, the Lord. And as he said to Moses, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. When I was in seminary, there was a great hue and cry, and in some corners still is, we got to do justice. We got to do justice, especially this, this thing called social justice. You know, justice for everybody. And my mentor, when asked about it, and he'd been a pastor a long time, said, Justice. He says, I dread justice from God. I want his mercy. Because if we get God's justice and we confess to what we really deserve from God, yikes. I'm with, I'm with my friend Jim, Pastor Jim. I want mercy, and I want justice. Well, Jonah, when he finally gets up to the job and goes to Nineveh, he's preaching justice. You got 40 days. Well, they had 150 years, but that's, that's history. You've got 40 days before God destroys you. He didn't even preach. The straighten up and fly right that my dad did to me more than once. By the way, I never doubted his love when he did that. And I wonder if Jonah understood God's love for humanity when he says, 40 more days, <laughs> it's coming. God's going to get you. Wait a minute. Um, Lord, I spent three days preaching to these people. They gave me every kind of hairy eyeball you can imagine while I did it. And I knew all along, this is why I didn't want to come here. I know that you're merciful and gracious and that you really want to forgive. You don't, you want to give them mercy. I wanted justice. No, God says. Do you do well to be angry? And there's another few verses that are fun to read about a bean plant and Jonah. 
And it ends with God accusing Jonah, but we never hear Jonah's response. We never hear if Jonah relented in the book. I'd like to think if Jesus referred to Jonah as a prophet, three days buried, that maybe he came around. We just don't have it in writing. What we have is Jonah's own story. Because in the book of Jonah, if you think about it, only Jonah knew the details that are in the book. It's autobiographical. So when he puts down his own unmerciful desire for justice, he's confessing. It's a book of confession. And we talk about Jonah and his desire for justice, and we talk about Jonah and his lack of obedience that caused him to get swallowed by the whale. Uh, just read a very bad joke. Teacher says, that's all a myth. A whale has a bi- is a big mammal but has a small throat. It couldn't swallow a person. Little Sally says, teacher, the Bible says that Jonah got swallowed by a whale. I believe he got swallowed by a whale. Teacher said, can't happen. Sally says, when I get to heaven, I'll ask him. Teacher says, what if Jonah didn't go to heaven? Well, then you ask him. Had to wait till the kids were gone because we can't recommend talking to teachers that way. <laughs> it's a cold morning. We needed a joke. How about the story of Nineveh, though? Why did Nineveh deserve a justice that Jonah came to preach? I alluded to the fact that they, they set the standard for torture of prisoners, very colorful. The histories around Nineveh I don't recommend for light reading. The Assyrians were brutal warriors, very successful as such. Over different centuries, as with many kingdoms of their type, the tide kind of ebbed and flowed for them. But they were probably singled out by Jonah and God, and then later by Jesus, because they were such enemies of the Hebrew people of Israel. And they did evil. It states that there was no justice. Great bloodshed. It's just very ugly. And God said, I'm going to destroy, and he relented. What would Jonah have to say now for God? If he spent three days walking through any of our major cities, especially the District of Columbia, What would he say? I was told once by somebody on a, on a search committee in a, in a church, well, we don't want to hear preaching of politics in a pulpit about subjects like, and, and this person mentioned a subject that the church has treated as a moral issue for 2,000 years. And what I, I guess I'm trying to come to my own courage and work it up is the point that we've come to a point as the church in many churches where once something is labeled political, we say, we don't want to hear about it. We're in church. We don't want to hear about politics. And once a major, and there are many of them, and you'll hear me dancing around the minefield this morning. I don't want to name issues that are going to separate us. I don't want somebody to say, oh, you must be this party or that party, or you're preaching against this or preaching against that. What I want to preach for is morality in our culture and in our society. 
And if we bear the name of Christ as Christians, who else is going to preach morality? And people have twisted the meaning of morality. Well, it's do no harm. Who defines harm? Morality, treat others rightly. What's rightly? Are we capable in our own hearts and minds by ourselves of determining that? Well, if it makes someone else uncomfortable, it's wrong. Well, but what if we're making them uncomfortable about is deadly to their mortal life and deadlier still to their immortal life? We need to reclaim, not by trying to make the church a political action committee. We can point to some that do that. I don't intend that. But if we think and look around and think that we're going down the path of Nineveh as a nation and a culture, if we have values and God forbid even laws that don't value the very gift of human life or the way God has created human life or the way we relate to one another when it says that Jesus looks on the heart and not on the outer person and the appearance, should we be driven apart again as we've been in the past? How are we going to recover a standard for a nation and a culture that is not based in God? When the founding fathers put together the Constitution, and somebody came out from uh, the meeting, or was waiting outside the meeting, and accosted Ben Franklin and said, what did we get? A kingdom? He says, a republic, if you can hang on to it. But the founding fathers also said in several different ways, by several different of them, that the type of country we have that guards freedoms, that values human life, that gives equal rights, I'm sorry, that recognizes that God gives the equal rights, Government does not, the country does not. Is an unfit form of governance for any but a moral and religious people. That's how it was put together. How are we doing? Again, I don't want to tread into examples and make people say, oh, you're one part of the other. That's not the point. Because sometimes it's as much what we put up with as what we promulgate. Now, we're not all going to be social justice warriors. We're not all going to be out on the street corner preaching and handing out pamphlets. That's not our gifts. But we need to start by cherishing and valuing not what the culture might bully us into or try to teach us or what might feel good. A person in my family very near and dear to me had an awful problem with the fact that if she loved somebody, nothing they did could be wrong. We argued about that, mom and I did more than once. She couldn't bring herself to condemn what someone did if she loved them. And sometimes we love ourselves too much to submit to God's moral authority. Now there's a lot of talk about ethics. Ethics are shades of gray. Ethics are when you try to get the most good out of a decision where it's not all good. But morality 
My wife says I'm a terrible black and white thinker, and I'll confess, yes, it's partly the, partly the engineer in me, partly it's the way I'm put together. God sets before us, and he states it in Deuteronomy to his chosen people. I set before you this day the ways of life and the ways of death. And if you choose life, you'll have this, but if you choose death, you'll have that. God still puts before us, and I know that that last hymn was an awkward one to sing, and the words are awkward. They're old poetry. But if you condense it down to the choices between darkness and light, between death and life, between the way God has created us and have us be, and the way some parts of our culture and society are throwing that away and even even sometimes mocking it and ridiculing it, those who clutch their Bibles defensively, as we're told. We need to be the church, this household of faith and all. Not that we're hard on people, to love others who are misled, but to speak out against the misleading, to speak out in love for what God has in grace and mercy and good for those who seek that kind of standard, lest we become Nineveh, the capital of Assyria. want to preach it in love. We've got to love others enough to speak. A young man said to a friend of his, why are you constantly trying to talk to me about Jesus and faith? I don't want to hear about it. And he says, friend, if you were walking toward a manhole and didn't see it, you were going to fall to your death, would you want me to speak up? Friend said, well, of course. Well, I'm speaking for your soul. And as we seek the soul's of others to come to Christ, to seek if there is such a thing, the soul of a nation, the heart of a people, and we're called to be part of that. Don't know how to end this one. But as we come to Christ, knowing the love, the mercy, and the grace, let us share it generously with others and seek to share it loud and proud, I guess would be the phrase. That we know Christ and want others to know him as well in loving care. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen. Thank you for having joined us for First Word from First Church. We pray that God has blessed you in some way, in his way, through the message that we have just shared with you please join us again. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance over you and give you peace. Amen and amen.